Welcome to the City Life Podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. But I want to ask you a question. Does anybody remember pre-adolescence? Anyone remember pre-adolescence? Excellent. How many of you would say that you, honestly, you would say, honestly, how many Soden of me, you would say that you enjoyed pre-adolescence? Any enjoyers of pre-adolescence? I need your involvement. Okay, I see, I see hands. How many of you would say, on contrast, I was just glad when my pre-adolescent years were over? Let me see your hands. Excellent. There's more of you. And the rest of you who didn't raise your hand must be resolving emotionally still from pre-adolescence? That's what I can only assume. So the year was 2002. Fall of 2002 in Kansas City, Missouri. I was 10 years old and I was attending what we called fifth and sixth grade lock-in. Ooh, I heard some moves from church people. All right, and those are, for those of you who didn't grow up in church, um, a fifth and sixth grade lock-in was this experience where they would essentially and literally lock us in ch- inside the church facility overnight, and what we would do is, is play sports and pray all night. And you're probably thinking, that sounds like hell. <laughs> but not if you had a crush that was there. And I was crushing hard. And her name was Jillian. Jillian the Rose. I was going to say the Rose of Sharon, but that's Jesus and that's blasphemous. But Jillian the Rose of Kansas City. So I knew knew Jillian was going to be there. And that was my excitement. That was my draw, my lure. So there we are, all the fifth and sixth graders upstairs in this space, this auditorium, where we're playing these team games. And, and I'm quite competitive by nature, but yet at the same time, I'm not very like, coordinated. And it's, it's, it's a terrible combination, but I've had to live with it the rest, up until this day. I hate to lose, but I'm not good at winning. So it's, it's, it's a mess. But there I am, I'm 10 years old, we're upstairs, and our, the game is about to begin where we're about to play these balloon darts. And all of a sudden, Jillian looks in my direction, and she begins to walk in my direction. I see a smile on her face, and passion begins to pulsate. My blood begins to flow, and she walks up to me with the music playing, and she says something with a smile. And I did not understand what she said. So in an attempt to avoid sounding or looking or appealing incompetent, I did what you do, when you're talking to someone who speaks another language and they say something to you, but it sounds positive, what do you do? <laughs> so I gave Jillian a, a foreign laugh. <laughs> but here's the thing, and here is the real kicker. Not only did a joyful sound come out, but out of my 10-year-old little body. Also along with the joyful sound, a snot bubble shot out of my nostril. (laughs) Doesn't in there. Snot bubble out. I'm standing there, petrified. What do I choose to do? What every other 10-year-old does when he gets embarrassed. 
salutes, and walks away. I shot a snot bubble at her, and I saluted her. Who does that? Apparently me. So, okay, things can't get any worse. There I am in the middle of our balloon game, and, and Jillian's on our team, and it's, uh, it's this moment, the climax of the game, where there are two balloons left on the wall, and guess who's left the, to, do the f to make the final throw, the game winning or losing throw? Who would it be? Preston, you, Preston, it's me, uncoordinated Preston. So I, I walk up, and I'm, I'm nervous, and I'm in my white K-Swiss that were amazing at the time. That mom would keep clean with toothbrushes. And, and I, my, my, I mean, although my stance and my form wasn't good, at least my shoes were, and I was there, and I built up and pulled out of myself. You know that little confidence where you just, like, trick yourself into being confident? So there I am tricking myself into being confident, confident and competent. And then with all of my might, I, I throw the dart as hard as I can. I'm thinking, how do I pop two with one? I just, just throw it as hard as I can. Threw it as hard as I can. I didn't even look in that direction. And I promise you this, not one but both balloons And all of a sudden, elation rose in my heart. And all I could think of is, I knew that Jillian saw this. Woo! She probably forgot about the snot bubble. And all of a sudden, my team that were sitting down jumped up. Music played, and people were jumping. My team was jumping and excited because I did the impossible. I popped two balloons with one dart. And as we were, I was jumping and excited, my friend Steven, who was a year younger, was jumping in front of me. And, and as I turned this direction and I was coming down, Steven was jumping up. And my face smashed into the back of Steven's head. And, and, and you know that feeling when, when you get hit in the nose? If you ever have, it feels like Sprite fills your nose. Like you just got Sprite in your nose. All of a sudden, I felt this Sprite sensation, like as if like it was also 7-Up and Mountain Dew combined. And, and all of a sudden, I open my eyes, and blood is shooting across the floor. People are freaking out and going, ew, they were once praising Preston, Preston, ah, get away. And all of a sudden, in that moment, I ultimately felt humiliated because if a snot bubble wasn't enough I added blood to it what's wrong with this guy so yeah I could have played it off but I couldn't think of anything and and instead of staying up with my friends and talking to a volunteer to get medical attention what I did was I actually ran away I broke, out, I broke out of the room, and I ran outside, which, and it was snowing at the time, and I hid from the volunteers. Volunteers were chasing me all around the facility, and, and I hid, and I hid, and I was so, so embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to see me or look, look at me, and I, I was like, how, do they, how are they finding me? And I figured, oh, there's a trail of blood, but, well, you know. And finally, uh, a couple hours later, I broke back into the church facility, into the offices, and called my mom to come pick me up because I was humiliated. The elation of that achievement of winning the game was taken from me in an instant. 
And that same scenario that happened to a little 10-year-old boy is often the same scenario that you live with each day. The achievement that you thought would bring fulfillment can be crushed and leave you broken because what happens? Oh, we say, oh, great, praise God, but guess what? There's something called real life. And when our faults are exposed, what do we do? Instead of going to the people who can provide help and medical attention, we isolate ourselves and distance ourselves because we don't want anyone to see our faults. Because if people see that we aren't the achiever that we thought that we were, then who are we really? I want to talk to you about something. It's very specific. And, and, and there's something that I know about you, many of you. And it's not all, but many of you. You have uh, mastered something, which I call the science of achievement. The science of achievement. Not everyone has, but many of you have, the science of achievement, which is you have discovered the formula and patterns of behaviors required in order to produce a desired result. Many people here in the city have discovered the science of achievement. For example, if I want to get my master's degree, I have the specific patterns and behaviors and motivational plans to put together to formulate in order to reach that desired outcome. If I want to have a great business, I know the different patterns and formula to set myself apart. If I want to be, have financial autonomy, I know this, the formula in order to get that. But there is no formula for fulfillment, is there? Here's why I understand this. Why then are some of the most wealthy, influential people in our world today often the most depressed and downtrodden? You see them on television or on the screen, but ultimately what's going on on the inside is different than what they project on the outside. And you would ask, how can someone with so much success be lacking happiness? Growing up, uh, I want to tell you about one of my favorite actors. And this, this actor brought so much joy to the lives of my brothers, my brothers and I. He died just a couple years ago, and, and, it, and it was really, a, I, although we never knew him he, personally, it was a tough day, a tough moment, because this individual brought so much joy to our lives. <laughs> he would make us, he, he would literally make us laugh until our stomachs hurt. And, um, and his name is Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Robin Williams in 2014 was taken from this earth. Now Robin, what's interesting about him, and I've studied his life, he had mastered the science of achievement. Robin wanted to graduate college against odds. He did it. Robin wanted to star in his own TV show. He did it. Robin wanted to win an Academy Award. He did it. Robin wanted to win an Academy Award for not being funny, which was his specialty. What did he do? He did it. Robin wanted a beautiful wife and a family, and he got it. Then why would a man who achieved everything he ever went for hang himself and leave a wife and family?
Robin was able to bring joy to everyone's life except for one person, himself. Which is to say, the science of achievement cannot and will not bring fulfillment. And what I want to share with you and talk to you and expose and pull out is something that I believe is much better. Not that achievement is bad. I think it's good in its own regard, its own respect. But I want to talk to you today about something raw. It's organic, and it cannot be formulated. And I want to call it the art of fulfillment. The art of fulfillment. Now go with me, if you have your, script, your Bibles, to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Now, Luke is a very, very analytical medical doctor. This, this individual knows his stuff. And what he has done uh, to put together the book of Luke is, is compiled, contrasted, and created a, 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 a pile of eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And, he, and he, he went through all the evidence and everything that panned out and created this very articulate book called the book of Luke. And, and here in this passage, we're about to be introduced to a character. He's a very temperamental business owner. He is easily angered and set off, but yet he's very driven. He, he knows his science for his, his area of work. And, and his life is about to be shifted and altered because he is about to come in contact with an individual who is frustratingly endearing. And after this contact, his life is about to change forever. Luke chapter Five. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore, and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And the reason why he did this, the crowd was probably growing and expanding as Jesus was becoming more popular as a public figure and people would hear that he was there and the crowd was growing, expanding. So Jesus, in order to create for himself a makeshift platform, got up on this boat and in order to project his voice, he brought it out over the water. And when he had finished his speech, his speaking, his message, he said to Simon, the guy who was over washing his nets, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon responded, Master, we've worked hard all night but haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Simon said, in a nutshell, in a sense, Sir, not to insult your intelligence, but this whole fishing thing, there's a science to it. Because we've been out here all night, and ultimately the fish come out at night, and they kind of go away during the day when it gets hot. So, so, sir, like I understand the science of fishing. I've actually mastered it, probably one of the best here in the area. And you're telling me, me and my exhausted crew, to go out again. And what he says is interesting. Because you say so. 
I will let my nets. Not because I think that it'll work. Not because I believe you, but we're not, we're not going because I want to. We're going because you say so. And when they had done so, they caught, it's to the point very quickly, they had caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and, and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full of fish that they began to sink. The boats were filled so full that they began to sink. In other words, Jesus can bring so much fulfillment that you won't know what to do with it all. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, this is interesting, he, he fell at his knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee and Simon's partners. When Peter saw this, he fell at his knees and he said, go away from me. Jesus showed up, performed a miracle. And Simon, it's very interesting, he sent away the very individual who brought the fulfillment he was looking for. And I wondered why. Why is that the case? But also I want to ask the question, why is it that you want love, but you often settle for connection, don't you? Why is it that you want to be a part of a purpose and be a part of a mission, but you settle for what you can control in your own world? Ultimately, the same thing for Simon is the same issue, the same thing for us, is we are, like Simon, hyper aware of our faults. Simon knew that if I go out, if I'm around this guy too much, my faults will be exposed, my veneer will be destroyed, and I'll just be left with me and I will be rejected. And I want to share with you something quite interesting. But before that, I want to finish the text in, with what Jesus says. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus saw the faults. Simon admitted them. Jesus saw them, acknowledged them, but yet called him on this journey of a lifetime. And I'll tell you what, the journey that Simon went on is a journey that changed his life forever. This journey that he went on would be the journey that ultimately he would lay down his life for. This is a journey that is still growing and expanding to this day right here in Fort Worth, Texas, far beyond what Peter could ever dream possible. And he almost missed it because he was looking and hyper aware of his faults. And I want to share something with you today. And I want to de debunk and expose a myth that may have maybe holding, holding you back for years and years. I want to expose this lie that has you trapped in your own little world. And here it is. And write this down if you're taking notes. Just because you have flaws doesn't mean you can't have fulfillment. 
Just because you have flaws doesn't mean you can't have fulfillment. Just because last night you tried to find fulfillment in numbing yourself doesn't mean you can't come find it here this morning in the presence of God. Just because you're still depressed doesn't mean you shouldn't stop helping other depressed people. Just because you're still struggling with that same sin year after year doesn't mean you should stop coming to church and, and getting into the presence of God to get that fulfillment that you really need. Just because, church, just because you have flaws doesn't mean you can't have fulfillment. Now, I want to illustrate this for you. How many of you are in here today and you would say, I have no holes in my jeans? I have no holes in my jeans. Like, there's no holes in my knees or anything. Excellent. How many of you are here today and you, you would say, you know what? Pastor, I do have holes in my jeans. I do have some holes. Excellent. All right, I see, I see some holy people. Very beautiful. Devin, why don't you come on up? Um, and uh, holeless people, those without holes. Colby, come on up. There were less people, like, he's going to call me up here. <laughs> uh, so, what's your name? Uh, Colby. Yes. Everyone say, hi, Colby. Hi, Colby. And what's your name? Uh, Devin. Uh, Devin. Everyone say, hi, Devin. Now, Colby, those are some pretty nice jeans. Would you say that they're pretty functional? Oh, very functional. Hyper-functional? Uh, hyper. Excellent. Devin, those are some nice jeans, although they do have holes. Yeah. Um, would you say that they're pretty functional? Hyper-functional. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Now, uh, now let's, let's see. Can, jeans should ultimately protect your legs. Now let's see, let's see a good, let's see a good jump though. Let's see a good jump with both jeans. Ready, set, go. Just a regular jump. <laughs> okay, excellent. Very well. Now, now it's good to be able to know if your jeans are going to last if you're carrying something, a load, or you're sitting down. So let's see a good squat. Let's see if these jeans function through the squat. Ready, set, begin to squat now. Hold it. Excellent. Beautiful. Come on, let's give it up for these guys. Now, you can come up from your squat. Um, so both genes have fulfilled that purpose. Now I want to ask a question. Uh, I mean, they look great. They look fantastic, don't they? So how much did, if you don't mind me asking, how much did you pay for those jeans? Uh, $50. $50. Wow. What brand? Oh, uh, American Eagle. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. $50 jeans, flawless. Very American and egalic of him. Now, Devin, if you don't mind me asking, although your jeans do have holes, how much did you pay for those? Uh, yeah, they were actually 55 because they had to be shipped overseas. $55 jeans. $55 for ripped jeans. Functional jeans cost $50. Holy jeans ended up costing more. Well, so why, why would he pay more for jeans that have holes? Which is to say, not only does it provide air conditioning, but it also proves this point. Just because you have some holes and faults doesn't mean you're of a lesser value. Just because you have faults doesn't mean you can't fulfill a purpose and jump. Jump! <laughs> Just because you have faults doesn't mean you can't have, let's say it together, fulfillment. Beautiful. Give it up for these guys. So good. 
Now, in order to understand how to attain fulfillment, I think it's, understand, it's important to understand and comprehend what is fulfillment. What is fulfillment ultimately? And I think that we can find that by making a contrast. And I want to share with you basically the point of not what fulfillment or achievement is, but what the pursuit of it produces. Now write this down if you're taking notes. Achievement considers oneself superior or inferior to others. I, has anyone ever felt, walked in a room and felt ultimately inferior? Fulfillment considers oneself equal in value, but unique in purpose to others. The pursuit of achievement considers what can I gain from today? And ultimately when we don't gain what we expect, what happens? We leave and finish the day empty. Yet fulfillment considers, what can I give today? You never lose when your goal is to give. Achievement comes from doing things right, but fulfillment comes from doing the right things. Achievement is rooted in comparison, yet fulfillment is rooted in relationship. Achievement is concerned with what you must accomplish, but fulfillment is concerned with who you are becoming. I want to live a life of fulfillment. But the question is, why do I and why do we neglect the very things that bring fulfillment and we settle for achievement? What feels good in the moment? What looks good in the here and now? I wonder why. And there's not, it's not only us that struggle with this trap of achievement, this cycle, but there was another who dealt with this as well. But before we get into that, uh, do you have my headband for me? Bring it to me. Give it up for Devin Woody. All right, so we got this game recently it was in the children's ministry and, and went out and got it for this this message it's called headbands anyone ever heard of this game excellent check it out yeah what if what if i preached like this every sunday do you think i'd get fired yeah yeah <laughs> you probably wouldn't come back actually some of you would so um here's the, here's how the game works so i put a character up on my my head and the goal is for me to figure out who I am by asking yes or no questions. So we're going to, together, verbally, play it together. You wanna play? Yeah. Okay, okay, so, so you have to be vocal with me, okay? And now I'm gonna pull a card out of my pocket, I'm picking it, and do not tell me who it is. I do not mouth it to me, but I'm gonna ask yes or no questions. And so I'm gonna pull it out, I'm gonna close my eyes, I'm not gonna look at it, and is it right side up? I'm going to get it in. Excellent. I see a lot of smiles. <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to ask yes or no questions, and I need verbal responses from you in order to figure out who I am, ultimately. Am I a male? No. That was weird. Okay. <laughs> am I a, like a, a bad girl? No. Okay. 
I heard I was a good girl. Thank goodness. <laughs> Woo! If anything. Am I content with my life? No. Okay. Am I relational? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do I have gadgets and gizmos aplenty? Who's it's and what's it's galore? And do I have a companion who is a dictatorial crab with a Jamaican accent who's helping me discover what it's going to be like to be a part of that world? Yes! Knew it. Ariel. For the podcast. Ariel was on my head. Now, that's funny with Ariel. And touch someone next to you and say, he's going somewhere with this. I want to ask the question, what if we played headbands with Simon, with Peter? How would it look? Because Simon, Peter, Simon, which, mean, which is the faulty one, and Peter, who Jesus named him later on in the ministry, meaning Petros, the rock, was a split personality per se. He had a faulty side. Now, we're going to play the same thing with Peter, and... And let's see how this turns out. Am I slightly arrogant and rambunctious? Yes. Am I the first to speak up when Jesus asked, who is the Son of God? And was I the first to declare that Jesus was the Son of God among the disciples? Yes. Am I also hot-tempered and cut off the ear of someone who is trying to get Jesus? Am I also the only one who stepped out of the boat during a storm to walk to Jesus? But yet, am I also the one who abandoned Jesus in his greatest hour of need by denying him? But am I also the one who preached on the day of Pentecost when it was unpopular and saw 3,000 people saved and baptized? Yes, a contradiction, which is to say, Jesus, like Simon, knows how to deal with your faulty side. He loves you when you're doing good. He loves you when you're angry at yourself. He loves you when you're making a difference, and he loves you when you're not. He loves you when you're motivated, and he loves you when you can't even pull yourself out of bed. Jesus loves your faulty side. And that's the side that Jesus has called. Now, as I transition and close, I'm, I'm going to read this text, this scripture, where I believe that we find the source for identity in our lives. And when, and when I found this years ago, I continuously come back to it. And it's a beautiful text, and it's in uh, Matthew, Matthew 16, verse 13. And, and what's so incredible in this moment, Jesus and his disciples had, the ministry was growing and expanding a few years after Jesus had called Simon. And there we find Jesus and his boys. I imagine them sitting around a campfire. It's an it's a enjoyable moment. They're eating and discussing. But then Jesus does something which he does best. 
he asks a very provoking question. Here, here it is in Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. All right, yeah, here's the generalities. Here's who we think, who they, they say that you are. But then Jesus, he flips the script and he gets super personal. He gets super personal with these guys. And he asks this question. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Wow. I can imagine that the tension grew. I can imagine there may have been silence for 10 seconds, maybe 30. Matthew probably stopped poking at the fire. John probably leaned up straightened up from his slouched position. And I imagine Peter leaning forward and he says something dangerous. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter declared who Jesus was. And what happens next, I think, is the source to identity and fulfillment. What Jesus says next is so important and pivotal in our life for fulfillment. Here's what Jesus replied. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The moment Peter declared who Jesus was, Jesus downloaded purpose and identity. When Peter Simon declared who Jesus was, Jesus flipped the script and revealed who Peter is, which is to say, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I promise you he will constantly and consistently reveal to you who you are and why you're on this earth. It doesn't just happen once. I believe it's a journey of confessing who Jesus is, and I believe that is the source to identity. That is the source to fulfillment. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known for the consistent investment of money. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.